Hey, and welcome back, Buzz Nation. My name is John Workman, and uh, we're going to go ahead and welcome back uh, Mr. John Muir. We've had him gone for a couple of weeks, but uh, welcome back, Johnny. Had a had a small hiatus. Uh, <laughs> my wife had a baby. So yeah. That's probably a pretty good reason for a hiatus. Yeah. Or else she'd be, she'd be kicking my butt. <laughs> Ah, congratulations. So you had a little boy, right? Yep. Give us the number. Give us the digits. Number, yep, boy number three. So we've got two girls and three boys, and we're repopulating the world. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're doing a good job at it. Yeah, heck yeah, you are. <laughs> so how how big was he? You named him Brighton Cal. Brighton Cal. Cal is after my wife's father. His name's Calvin. Uh, but most people call him Cal. So Brighton Cal, he was 8 pounds, 13 ounces, and 20 and a half inches long. And he was born on February 10th. Nice. Well, congratulations. It's awesome. It, it was It was good. It was, uh, you know, it's kind of old hat. Kind of like <laughs> you. you got to keep up with the workmen. Yeah. That's all you need to do is keep up with the workmen's. <laughs> <laughs> Last I'm, always thing you need la- to do. I'm always lagging behind. That seems to be the case in everything. Yeah, uh, comparing myself to you. <laughs> oh, sheesh. Well, that's going to change. So, <laughs> all right. So let's let's jump right into the uh, Instagram uh, likes day. And actually, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Um, I got a I got an Instagram shout out, but then I've also got a uh, I got a Facebook shout out. And I want to hit the Facebook shout out first because um, if you're not uh, if you're not over there checking out the Facebook site, I'm posting videos and blog posts and links to the weekly buzz. But uh, I've got a couple of guys that have been giving me a lot of love over there, and just about everything I post, uh, they're liking it and sharing it. So I want to I want to shout out to uh, Zach Amery or Zach Amerrill, um, owner at Amerrill Electric, and uh, I really appreciate that, Zach. It's good to see your name up there all the time. But then also Sal Ambriz, um, he's an electric electrician over at Geolite Electric. And uh, you guys are showing me a lot of love. I really appreciate that. So you guys are awesome. Thank you very much. That's Zach Amaral of uh, Amaral Electric and Sal Ambriz at Geolite Electric. So... Uh, really appreciate those guys. And then over on the Instagram, um, giving a shout out to Nicholas and, uh, spelled N I C H O L A A A A S. <laughs> so there's a lot oh, of, wow. yeah, a lot of A's in those, in that name there. Nicholas or Nicolas. <laughs> yeah. Something Nicolas. like that. It's kind of 
like Ricola. There you go, Ricola. Ricola. <laughs> First and foremost, uh, Nick, that is a that is a sweet beard you're throwing down in your uh, profile picture there. So that's uh, <laughs> looks like he's in Baltimore too. So Nicholas over in Baltimore, but uh, one of the the uh, pictures that really caught my eye was he posted a picture of it's called the temple Annapolis Paul Mitchell partner school. Uh, he says there that it's done in three months, 13 panels worth of dedicated circuits, 400 receptacles, 300 lights, lighting control cabinet, 10 feeders, a new 800 amp service. And he's moving on to a, a, a chemical company now. So, uh, wow. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, and then he added in afterwards, there was 13 RTUs and a fire alarm also. So that's quite the quite the project. Sounds like it's pretty good. But one that I the one the post that he put on there that I really liked was he's got a little uh, he's got a little cartoon of a looks like you know kind of a hippie uh, graphic designer and uh, he's <laughs> he's presenting a he's presenting a I guess project to a customer. And uh, he says, here's your design, sir. And the customer says, but why do I have to pay you so much for something that took you 10 minutes to make? (laughs) So you can kind of see where this is going. So the graphic designer says, because I spent 10 years studying to learn how to do it in 10 minutes. (laughs) So... There you go. And then he and then Nick commented on it. He says, or in my case, you're either going to do it yourself and do it wrong or I'm now going to charge you to fix and do it right, or you'll burn your house down. So (laughs) (laughs) Nick's got a lot of clever stuff on his uh, Instagram page over there, so check it out. So anyways, so there's our uh, shout-outs for the week. And what we're going to do now is we're going to just kind of continue on the um, format that we've had for the last couple weeks, and we're going to jump right into the – tool review so hang on because here it comes okay so the tool i want to show you today is the thomas and betts wt2000 uh this is kind of a kind of a multi-tool and uh to begin with it's got a little clip down here to keep it shut when uh when in your bag or not in use and what I really like, this this is a tool that I really love to have around um, because it can do so many different things. Uh, first and foremost, it's got the wire cutters right up there at the top there for snipping any wires. And then it's got the little knob there for, to crimp for crimping uh, functions. Then as you move down, these are this is a really cool function right there. It's a screw cutter. So it's got your different sizes from a 440 to an 832. 1032, 1024, and a 632. And so you just take your screw, screw it into that little hole there, and when you when you close it, it cuts it right off. So that's a pretty cool little feature. And then when you're when you're doing the crimping, it'll show you right there. It's got a yellow, blue, or red uh, little dots right there, and that tells you you know if you're if you're crimping, and then it's got its marker right there. So if you're crimping, say to the red, then you're going to crimp all the way. If you're only crimping to the blue or to the yellow, it'll show you right there. And I'll try to get a little closer there so you can see it. So it'll show you exactly where you need to crimp right there uh, on those on those stake-ons. And then, uh, of course, it's got the wire stripper on it. 
I'm not a huge fan of the placement of the wire strippers, but obviously with a multi-tool like this, you can't be picky um, with if you've got all these other functions. So anyways, like I say, this is the uh, Thomas & Betts WT2000 multi-stake-on uh, tool. Uh, I, I really like it whenever, when I um, was doing this all the time, I, uh, I, I really enjoyed having this around and I, I used it quite a bit. Um, pretty much for everything except for the stripping function. Um, but in a pinch, the stripping function does work pretty good. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, hope you enjoyed that tool review. And now we're going to jump into uh, the three Q&A for this week. Um, so John and I have run into run into a couple of these things uh you know, quite a bit. And so we feel like we have at least a little bit of, of, uh, knowledge of how to talk about these things. But the first, uh, the first one, John is swapping breakers, I guess, or using a better, I guess a better way to term it is, it would be to use mixing match break, mix, mix and matching breakers and, uh, <laughs> using off brands in certain brands. So, for instance, using a, a square D breaker in a Siemens panel or a cutler hammer in a square D panel. So what have you, have you run across people coming in asking about this kind of stuff before and what kind of advice do you give to them? Uh, yes, we see this a lot. Um, if we get guys coming in, just because they, they like to deal with our store in particular, but a lot of times it's people that... Uh, aren't electricians they're do-it-yourselfers and so they'll come in and they don't know a lot about uh, the differences between the different brands of of load centers and circuit breakers and they'll just think they can stick anything in any load center so they'll ask for square d and square d does in this example have a, a breaker that's pretty universal it's their home line breaker and it will fit in uh, other load centers other brands load centers it may have to be modified a little bit uh, but it can do it and so we get asked for that and people will do it but the advice that is always given is this will void your ul listing and if there's ever a problem uh, if your house burns down because of this they are not going yeah. to uh, be backing you up you're hosed and, and yeah, that's that's typically the advice that we give. I was doing some research on this the other day, though, and I learned something interesting. And so I'm I'm not going to stray from the advice that that we always give of you know if it's a squirty panel, put a squirty breaker in it. If it's a Siemens, put a Siemens breaker in it. But I did find that um, certain breakers, and they they basically call them classified breakers. So UL will test certain breakers inside of other load centers and oh. then they will quote unquote classify them to go in that. And the problem with that though is there's never a list showing which breakers are classified to go in there. So you basically oh. have to go to the <laughs> trouble of going back to the manufacturer and figuring out if that breaker is actually classified for that or not. Okay, because that was my next question: is where do you find the list? Yeah, and so the list basically you've got to go back to the manufacturer and say, okay, I have this breaker. 
Is it classified and can it go in this load center or panel board? But then the other issue is you got an age factor. Okay, so if this certain breaker was listed for this panel board, that may have been done back in the 70s or 80s. You don't know if it's still listed for for now. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so pretty much uh, sticking to that advice would be uh, more beneficial to you and save you probably more time than it's worth because in our case, you can, you can find most of the major brands of circuit breakers in our town. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's four supply houses where we live. I imagine that in most places you have more than one option and can reach out and find the correct circuit breaker for your load center. Well, that, and if not, then it's usually worst case scenario. You can overnight a breaker from somewhere if it's, if it's a super emergency. So, you know, and if it's an old enough load center and you can't, you can't find it, then maybe it's time to upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And it's going to be cheaper to upgrade anyways than to buy a, an old obsolete breaker. That's going to cost you 50 or 60 bucks. And we find that there are a couple brands. I'm not going to mention them by name, but uh, <laughs> that we run into, and it's the, it's the same thing every time. People come in and they want these these brands that have been. I mean, they're old, and you can get the breakers, but they'll cost you one breaker. Probably costs you as much as buying a new load center. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. So that's. I mean, I think that's the advice to stick to right there. Is if it's a if if you're even if you have to drive to another supply house, if you're within, you know, a couple of miles of being able to get the correct breaker, just go get it because that's yeah. going to make, that's going to guarantee that the warranty will be in place, guarantee that the UL won't be voided. And that's what you want. You want safety on your side there. Not to mention, I would be curious to know, even if they have this list and you call the manufacturer and you find out that it does uh, it, it will be acceptable to put this other brand's breaker in your load center. Then where do you get the paperwork to back this up? You know? uh, well, and that's or, it. Yep. Give us a hard copy saying that we can do this. Exactly. Cause I want to know for sure that if something happens that you are going to follow through and uh, cover this and I want the proof. Yeah, absolutely. Because if they're not willing to do it, then the liability is going to fall back on you, the electrician. And if their house burns down, they can come after you for not putting the correct uh, equipment inside of that inside of that load center. Yeah, it's just better just to stick with what's made and intended to be in there in the first place. That's that's my opinion. Yep, I agree. I agree. Okay, so the next question that that I've run across, and you know, this was. I, this was never really a question in my mind until I heard uh, one of our other guys talking about it, but it's exercising main breakers. And the, 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 I guess the reason that they were talking about exercising mains is uh, this guy's son-in-law's father, <laughs> if that makes <laughs> sense, uh, they were getting ready to do a service upgrade. And so they shut the main breaker off. And when it was time to put it all back together and turn it on, the main breaker wouldn't, it wouldn't reset. It wouldn't come back on. 
And so he started talking about how he's heard recommendations about exercising the main breaker at least once a year, which, you know, through the research that I've done, sounds like it might be a good thing to do. However, uh, if you're doing it too much, it can also wear the breaker out too, you know, and that's that's one thing you got to be careful of as well. Now, is it just the main breaker or would it be beneficial to exercise all the breakers? Well, that's, that was another question that came into play. And I guess the way the breakers work is the contacts rub up against each other. You know, it's not like they're interlocking or anything. They, they rub up against each other. And so if you're doing that too much, you're going to put excess wear on those contacts and it's, it's not good. But this kind of goes back to the same exact um, recommendation as the last question. And that is, when you get these, this equipment, go back to the manufacturer. You know, They're, They are going to have recommendations as to how you should treat their equipment. They're engineers for crying out loud. They, should, you know, they designed it and they manufactured it. So they, they know every, engineers know everything. That is right. You guys remember that out there. Engineers know everything. <laughs> you just need to realize that that's just how it is. Engineers, just, uh, they just know what's going on. So, so when it comes to exercising main breakers, that's, I mean, that's about really the only recommendation I can give from the research that I've done. I've read several articles on it, jumped in a couple of forums, and, and that's, that's what I have found is just go back to the original manufacturer and see what their recommendations are. And you know what's funny is it seems like probably I would be, I would be surprised if more than uh, 10% of the people ever read instructions, period. Most of us just grab things, we throw it in, we throw the instructions in the trash can. There's probably pretty valuable information in those uh, sets of instructions that we <laughs> overlook, like how often to exercise the main breaker. If at all, you know, yeah, if at all, you know, if at all. If, if at all, but it's you know, it's just like your car. You know, if you read through the maintenance guide in your car, it tells you you're supposed to be doing this and this and this yeah. at fifteen thousand and thirty. And how many of us ever do that? You know, and then when things start breaking down, and then how often do you change your oil? (laughs) (laughs) That is a good question, John. How often do you change your oil? I only say that because I hate to admit (laughs) out there, but I had a brand new truck and I went 15,000 miles before I changed the oil the first time, and then I went another 15,000 miles before I had the oil changed the second time. (laughs) And then he sold it, fortunately, before it caused him any problems. <laughs> I fully disclosed that, though. <laughs> but so you... exercising main breakers, it, yes, it's probably a good idea to check with the manufacturer and do it the way that it's supposed to be done. It's always best to follow the instructions. You know, and that's, I'm, yeah, I don't think there's really anything else that can be said on that. But if you have any question. Um, you know, check around. Maybe if, you know, if you're a journeyman and you've not been in the business super long, maybe you, there's a master out there that, you know, that might be able to point you in the right direction there or something. Or What I'd like to know though, is where did they come up with the phrase exercising the main breaker? <laughs> we might have to <laughs> research that a little more. 
Because <laughs> I, I don't know if that's even a real term, to be honest with you. But <laughs> we'll have to put that on the Q&A list and see if we can find an answer to that. You're like, man, that ex- that breaker's getting a little fat. <laughs> we better start exercising a little bit and make it do some burpees or something. <laughs> That's for any of you CrossFitters out there. So, That's right. All right, so that's, that's question number two. Question number three is is maybe not so much a question, but uh, maybe just a guideline as to uh, something that everybody out there needs to look for, and that is counterfeit breakers, because counterfeits are uh, counterfeits are starting to really become a problem out there. They're they're becoming more prevalent, and it's. I mean, it's not just in the uh, electrical industry, but um, this is one industry where you really don't want to be dealing with fakes. You know, it's not like it's a Rolex. It's not like it's a pair of fake Oakley sunglasses because those aren't going to kill anybody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, a, but a counterfeit Good breaker, point. you know, a counterfeit breaker, obviously, I mean, that can, that can do some damage. You know, that can do some serious, serious damage. Um, and once again, it comes down to the liability issue. If you as an electrician buy that breaker from a source that's untrustworthy, that comes back on you, man. That That is your problem. And so you've got to be careful of that kind of stuff. And, and you know, this is something that we uh, deal with uh as a uh, distributor of, of breakers is that we have a, a, a list of manuf- of manufacturers or uh, I don't I guess they're manufacturers breaker brokers breaker I brokers think is what you're yeah, talking I was looking about for yeah. the, other, the other term there that we are able to buy breakers from because they know that they are a trustworthy source of of breakers and this is this is uh, this is guys that are selling breakers other than the manufacturers that we buy directly from so exactly so for instance we were a square d house and um you know if we need to get a different breaker like a ge or a siemens or something we've we've got very specific people that we can buy from and if they're not on the list we don't buy from them and it is it's just a liability factor the company that we work for doesn't want to uh shoulder that liability we just need to make sure that we are selling new and original uh, breakers from the manufacturer or from a trusted brokerage so the one of the uh one of the articles that i read that really made me dive into searching uh counterfeits out a little more is there was a uh there was a a supply house, kind of an independent supply house, I guess, down south somewhere. And what he had done is he got this brilliant idea that he was going to that he was going to manufacture his own breakers is what he was going to do. Yeah, and uh, so what he did was he got a he got a squirty breaker and got all the specs and everything, and he sent them over to China. And basically had them duplicated. So he had those duplicated and sent them over. He was having them made 
and I, I wish I had their article in front of me. I don't have it, but he was having them made for something ridiculous, like 50 cents a piece. And then he was able to turn around and sell those as genuine breakers for the normal eight or nine bucks a piece. <laughs> and they figure when, when, uh, customs ice or whoever it is went in and raided his shop because I mean, this was a, this was a big deal. They went in and they figured he had several million dollars worth of inventory street value, you know? Oh wow! Yeah. It didn't cost him that much, but once he sold it all several million dollars worth of inventory and the dude was making a killing off of this stuff. Sure. But in yeah. the meantime, he could really cause a killing with this stuff, you know? <laughs> Literally. Uh, yeah. I mean, no pun intended, but kind of intended. <laughs> but here's, here's something. Here's another statistic to think about. Okay. If you as an individual, so John, say you intentionally bought a breaker that you knew was counterfeit and you turned around and sold it, you know, purporting it to be an original for an individual, the fines are could go as high as $2 million. And if you're a business, so for instance, this guy down south that was selling them, fines could go as high as $5 million and, oh. and 10 years in jail. Oh, geez. So they're not, they're not messing around with this kind of stuff. You know, they, this is serious. This is serious business. Wow. That, yeah. That's crazy. Do they classify that as fraud? Is that, is, is that a, I, I, I think, I don't know if counterfeiting is the same as fraud, but I know oh. that there's, you know, I mean, counterfeiting is counterfeiting. I mean, they treat it the same as counterfeiting money. Okay. You know? That makes sense. Um, so, yeah. But, there, I mean, there's a lot of things that you need to look out for. You know, if there aren't any instructions or warnings that come with the product. Uh, and, I, and I've written a blog post on this, and I've done a little video on this. But it's always good to rehash this a little bit and and let everybody, you know, just a reminder um, you know, no instructions, markings are a little different. It's missing the UL or the, the Canadian standard. Uh, you know, the shape might be a little different. If you look at some of the old square D's that were counterfeited, they look a little different. You can tell, um, this is, this is a, uh, big time one is, uh, if the words are like misspelled. Or like it's missing some. <laughs> so like you can tell just some Chinese dude just yeah. went ahead and tried to write it in English the best that he could. So yeah. stamped that on there but didn't uh, proofread, obviously. Yeah, didn't didn't use Google Translate on it. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> uh just a couple others, you know, country of origin's different than where they're usually made, you know, uh Manufacturing location locations or ports of entry are incorrect. But the one that really stood out to me because I just ran into this probably three months ago, four months ago, is the price is usually too low. So I was visiting with a guy and he was telling me about a breaker that he was looking for. It was a big, um, it was like a 400 amp lug in, Ooh. lug out, you know, panel mount breaker. And you know, is normally, uh, I, I remember looking up the wholesale cost on it, but you'd, you'd, you'd normally pay probably 1200 bucks for this breaker. And so I told him, he asked me if I could get, it. I said, yeah, but this is going to be, it's over a thousand dollars. He's yeah. like, well, I found one on the internet for 200 bucks. 
know? Yeah. And yeah. I was just like, look out, man. That that could be a really, really bad deal. Especially when you're dealing with a with a breaker that big. I mean that's a that's Well, exactly. you're most likely putting that on some commercial building. Uh, yeah, it was going uh, out on a drilling rig. Oh, well, see, you and, know. I, and the point I was going to make is this is probably a high-dollar uh, building or, in this case, a rig that you're putting this on. So the stakes are even higher. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The stakes are even higher. It, it goes back to the old adage, if it's too good to be true, yeah, it's too it good to be is. true. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> is. Absolutely. You know? Better to be safe than sorry. Just buy your breakers at a at a reputable location that is known to sell yes. original reputable parts. Known to sell the parts that you need. Just it's not worth killing somebody over a couple hundred bucks. Exactly. In the end, that's probably all it is. But it could cost you your freedom as far as going to jail and a lot of money. Yep. Absolutely. So those are the three questions uh, that I kind of wanted to address today. Um, so we talked about uh, counterfeit breakers and exercising main breakers and then you know mix and matching breakers. So I guess this is a big focus on breakers day. We should call this Breaker Wednesday or something. <laughs> breaker Thursday whenever this launches. Breaker, Breaker One Nine. <laughs> That's right, Breaker, Breaker. Uh, so we'll wrap that up, but one last thing, one last article I wanted to talk about real quick, John, before we uh, sign off. Uh, we talked about smoke alarms a couple of weeks ago, but I ran across this, uh, article from the, from NEMA National Electrical Manufacturers Association, but it's, and it was, uh, it was posted on the 17th of February and, uh, it's talking about a state mandate for 10 year batteries and smoke alarms, which I think is really interesting. You know, a 10 year battery and a smoke alarm. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I can tell you from personal experience that, uh, that these things do wear out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know like I've got the nest protect in my, in my house. And they have a they have a rechargeable battery. I don't know what the life is on them. Oh, but they, you know it's a rechargeable battery. Um, but they're going to make this a they're going to make this a state mandate is what is what I'm kind of gathering from this um, that they're gonna they're gonna mandate that they need to come up with a ten year battery. But it sounds to me like the ten year batteries might, uh, you know, actually take away some functionality or something. Oh, really? Yeah, because, you know, just because of the the technology that's going to be needed for a battery like that. Well, that would make you think that if the states are going to mandate that, then that they need to be uh, coordinating or corroborating how, whatever the word is there with these companies that manufacture smoke alarms smoke detectors and get that figured out because and i wonder i'd be interested to know it seems like you shared a statistic i wish i i could remember it about uh the number of incidents where there were fires and the smoke alarms did or did not work it seemed like it was pretty high 
and I wonder if maybe they're they're basing that off this this particular thing off of that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So it says uh, the, there are devices on the market that use several important life safety technologies not currently supported by a ten year battery. These oh. te- yeah, these technologies include wireless interconnection connection to a control unit, multiple sensing capabilities, and enhan- enhanced waking effectiveness for susceptible subpopulations. Under the imposition of a 10-year mandate, consumers would be precluded from purchasing and installing battery-operated smoke alarms with these features in their homes. Not only do a 10-year mandate unnecessarily preclude other important technologies, but they might even prevent the introduction of future technologies that could be used to enhance consumer protection. Huh? So, yeah. So basically if, uh, you know, if they make you get these, that have the 10 year battery, it might prevent you from being able to buy some other things that you might need in your home to work with these things. So I don't kind of interesting. I'm going to post a link up in the show notes uh to this article and you guys can head over there and read it and check it out so well we'll have to follow up with it i know we spoke in another episode about this so you can refer back to that episode uh where we kind of went into more detail about this because we at our store stock brk and they've they've put a shelf life on their carbon smoke uh smoke detector combos so it's it's being it's being looked at out there for sure. I'm sure as a safety measure, but it sounds like there needs to be coordination between the the manufacturers and the states that are putting out this legislation to make sure that it's not causing undue uh problems down the road. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully they get their get their stuff together and don't uh don't just cause a bunch of problems. So it's what the government seems to like to do most of the time. <clears throat> There's a lot of lobbyists out there. You know, the lobbyists push things hard, and a lot of times they get their way. Yeah, it's true. In the Very end, true. though, I mean, when it comes down to it, you want your smoke detectors to work. I mean, this is a matter <laughs> yeah. of life and death. Yep, we want our lives to be saved by these things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, heaven forbid, but you, you do hear stories about it. You know, people losing their homes and losing loved ones yeah. because, you know, their smoke detectors didn't work. It didn't work properly, so you, you hate to see that, especially if it ends up being you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So check that out, guys. Go over to the show notes, check that out, and, uh, yeah, see what you think about that. But I think that about wraps us up for today, Johnny. Uh, don't know uh, Don't know that there's anything else we need to cover this week, but we just want to thank everybody for, for tuning in, checking it out, and, uh want to welcome John back and say congratulations for the <laughs> new arrival. So, you know, it's been really good and I appreciate that. Uh, it was nice to take a few days off work and spend those few days with my wife and helping her out. And, you know, her, her mom's been out helping. So it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's a busy time, especially when you already have kids. So yeah, overall it's been a lot of fun and kids are great and yeah. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks guys. Uh, make sure and head over to electricianslibrary.com and, uh, check out everything we got going there. Um, 
in case you didn't know, we've got a little button at the type top that says hashtag ask where we're putting up videos about similar questions to these. And then also have the toolbox on the homepage. If you go to the upper right hand corner, starting to do tool reviews, the tool reviews that you hear on here are going to be posted up there too, so that you can go over there and watch a little video about the product. And then I've started doing uh, little videos about codes too. I don't have any posted up yet, but uh, those are going to start showing up shortly as well. So make sure and head over to the site. See, look, take a look at everything we got going on. Make sure and you're clicking all the links or all the tabs so that you can see everything on there. Cause the homepage is just kind of the blog post and uh, the weekly latest episode of the weekly buzz. But if you go up there and start clicking all the tabs up top, you'll be able to see all the cool stuff that we're doing up there. So anyways, uh, thanks for tuning in and make sure, uh, make sure to tell a friend about this. You know, I know you guys are out there working with friends and you've got colleagues and cohorts and let them know, uh, let them know what you're listening to and give us some feedback. Let us know what we can do better, what you like, what you don't like, and we'll, we'll do the best we can. So thanks for tuning in and until next week, stay grounded. <laughs>